0: Back to the front, that would be great. Great, thank you so much for being with us. A special welcome if you're new or visiting. My name's uh, Dan and I uh, help lead the church with, uh, with Phil and with Mark and with Steve. Uh, Steve and Joe uh, are away on holiday today. They've, uh, they're in Nice in the south of France. Very posh, isn't it? Um, and if you follow sport, you'll know that that is where The women's World Cup final is today. That's got no reason why Steve is there. When I realised this, I thought the God of miracles had worked and suddenly Steve likes sport, but that's not the case. Um, But it's great to have you with us today. I just want to say on the... And a couple of weeks, as Kristen said, uh, we're going to be meeting in the afternoon. She didn't actually tell you a time, but at half past two, you're gonna, we're going to be up at Hull Community Church, and it's so nice that they have, they've, they've well opened their building up, so they're going to have their morning service, then afterwards we're going to come in and uh, and get ready, and then at half past two, we're going to have a service, and um, we're just going to take Jubilee there. They've just opened the doors and said, just use our building, which is great, so thank you to them. We've got... Um, a special guest on that Sunday called Donna Bloomfield, um, part of our family of churches regions beyond, she leads an incredible work uh, in Burundi. So she is massively involved in um, in seeing churches equipped, planting churches, seeing people, local leaders raised up to take the gospel out, and um, they have an amazing project where they um, have... Basically, they try and equip people to earn money through uh, the milk industry. She's got an incredible story. Every time she travels into the country, she doesn't know whether she's going to be arrested at the gate because she's on a most-watched list, and due to the this is just due to the the, the political nature of the country, she's not. A risky person, she's lovely, um, but she is, she's got an incredible story to tell, she's got an incredible heart for uh, reaching the poorest in our world, not just when we talk about the poorest in our city, these, these are the poorest people in the world, um, so do come, um, it, it is going to be an amazing Sunday, as Kristen said, you get a lie in, um, which is great, but I know some of you have plans on Sunday afternoon, cancel them cancel them because it is going to be such a good Sunday so that's in two weeks time at half past two Hull Community Church on Newland Avenue if you come here at half past ten one of us will be here just to remind you to come at 2.30 okay um, but it's going to be great it's going to be a great Sunday uh, so over this last month we've been, um, we've been looking at our vision as a church we've been looking at how we are called to make Jesus known in Hull and the Nations And if you forget everything else you've heard over the last five weeks, remember that. Remember that our calling is to make Jesus known. So if someone came up to you and says, why does Jubilee Church Hull exist? It's to make Jesus known in Hull and the nations. But then we've looked at what that looks like and what it means for us to be a people, as these banners say, who are spirit receiving, people reaching, potential releasing. And if you're on the ball today, I'm going to be speaking about what it is to be community restoring. And these values, they are taken from a passage in Isaiah 61. And if you've been part of this church for for a long time, you'll know these passages really well. But if you've not, this is what it says in Isaiah 61. I'm going to be reading verses 1 to 4. It says this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the, uh, the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. So today I want to look at what it means for us to be a people who are community restoring and hopefully... God is going to stare us afresh for what that looks like as a people, as we serve this city. So I wondered, would you just stand with me a second? I'd love to pray before we start this passage. Lord, we just want to to thank you that you want to use us in this city, that you have a plan and a purpose for us, that you have called us to make you known. And Lord, I pray that as we look at this passage, you would speak afresh to us. I pray you would speak through me. I pray you would open our ears so we to hear what you're saying. You'd open our hearts ready to receive it and you would make our feet move us into action as we go. Lord, we pray you'd be with us right now by your spirit. Amen. You can grab your seats again. So we're going to look at what it is to be community restoring, but first thing is I wanted to look at our name, Jubilee. Because um, I feel as we understand a little bit about our name, we'll understand a little bit more about our calling. Um, I I sometimes meet people who, who when I say our name and ask them what it means, they sometimes think it's something to do with the Queen, often because that was the big Jubilee event. And it can be to do with the anniversary of an event. Um, But in the Bible, Jubilee means something very different. In the Old Testament, we read about God's chosen people, the Israelites, God gives his chosen people these special rules and laws um, which would mark them out as different from the whole of the people around them. These rules and laws included the Ten Commandments. You might have heard of those. And one of those commandments was that you shall remember and keep the Sabbath day holy. There was this idea that just as we read about in the creation story in Genesis, God spent six days working One day resting. And he created this pattern for us to follow. So we would work for, so God's chosen people would work for six and rest for one. And that rest was known as the Sabbath day. And as well as the the Sabbath day, there was also a Sabbath year. So for six years, people would work the land. They would gather all the fruits of the land up. But on the seventh year, the people would stop working and enjoy what what they have made over those last six years. They would enjoy the fruits of their labor. It was a year of rest when the land provides for the people. And it also taught the people that God would be faithful to them. That God would provide for them. That even in their rest, God was faithful and then every seven cycles of the Sabbath year, so seven times seven, 49, got it right, okay. There was a year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was a year of release and liberty. You can read about it in the third book of the Bible, Leviticus, and especially in chapter 25. It talks about all the details. I'm not going to bore you with all the details today. But basically, in that year, people returned to their family land. Those who had sold themselves into slavery experienced freedom. In a sense, everything was reset. It was a year of restoration, And that meant that if you experienced hardships, or your family came into issues, or you made bad decisions, then every 50 years, you and your family got another chance. And and that year is the one that is quoted about in the passage that I read from Isaiah 61, where it talks about the year of the Lord's favour. This picture that Isaiah is pointing us to is a time when a Messiah would come, jubilee would be fulfilled. The brokenhearted would receive healing. The captives would be set free. The, those mourning would be comforted and all those amazing things that I've just read. Then we fast forward some 500 years and we, we find uh, in Luke 4, Jesus at this point has, has grown up into a man and he's just spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And he arrives in Nazareth. It's the Sabbath day, the day when the, the Jews will be going to the synagogue, and Jesus turns up at the synagogue. He walks in and he picks up a scroll. They didn't have a nice, neat little Bible then. He picks up a scroll and he unrolls this scroll and he reads the words from Isaiah 61 and it says in Luke 4:18 to 19. I'm not sure if I've got that, Joel. If I have, could you pop it up? Fantastic. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus sits down. At this point, this is a passage that all the people there would have known incredibly well. They were looking forward to the fulfillment of these very words. Nothing really noteworthy has happened. But then Jesus says, Today... This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now things get a little bit shocking. Because in this, in claiming this, Jesus is saying, actually, that Messiah you've been waiting for, I am he. Those listening, they knew Jesus. They knew of his family. And it actually says in the scriptures that they said, is this not Joseph's son? Is this not Joseph's son? Sounds quite, I think the Bible sometimes makes it quite polite for us. I think it was probably more of, is he crazy? This is Joe's boy. We know him. We've seen him grow up. How can he be the Messiah? Has he lost the plot? Jesus claims that in him, the year of the Lord's favor had come, the year of Jubilee was here. That no longer would they have to wait every 49 years for a temporary freedom, but in him they would find life and freedom. That he was the way to God, he was the way to eternal life. These claims, if you want to know how shocking they are, they take him to the edge of a cliff to throw him off. I don't know if any of you have experienced something where you've said something so shocking that you've been taken to the edge of the cliff to throw you off. I've not. Maybe need to try a little bit harder. But Jesus, he, they take him to throw him off the cliff. Such His words are so shocking. But Jesus escapes through the crowd. We're not really sure how, but he escapes through the crowd. And that starts free, his three-year ministry of declaring that he is the Messiah and that the kingdom of God had come. That life and freedom was now found in a man called Jesus. No longer would rest and freedom be found in resting one day a week. One year every seven. One year, a full year every 50. But in Jesus, we would find everything we needed for life. From that point, God's people no longer needed to look to the year of Jubilee for restoration because Jesus brings that restoration every single day. As we submit to his kingship, as we follow him. Jesus declares that throughout his three years on earth, and then he departs to be with his father. And he gives his disciples, those following him, the, the, the job of declaring the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus' plan was that restoration would be available through him, and his plan was that he would unleash his restoring power through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the church, through you and I. Jubilee was intended to flow out into the surrounding communities as we declare who Jesus is. So how did Jesus intend for the church to be a jubilee on earth. And I want to look today at how we can be jubilee. How is this going to happen? Because this is more than just a name. Firstly, jubilee happens. We declare jubilee by the way that we love. Jesus in Luke 10, he asks people what they think they must do to inherit eternal life. There's this dialogue and then Jesus instructs them, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus then tells the parable of the Good Samaritan to highlight how uh, that loving your neighbour is more than just loving the people you like or are like you, but it means loving all people, even those who we feel furthest from. And that means that the church should be a place where people find compassion. The church should be a place where where the doors are open and ready to welcome people in. And the way we love people shows them something of who Jesus is. I love that, what Josh brought at the start of our service about our worship. Our worship points people to Jesus. The way we love As people come in, points people to Jesus. When people see us, they should see something radically different in us. Through the way that we love God, through the way that we love each other, and the way we love those around us. Is that what people find here? If we want to be a church that restores communities, then we must first be a church that loves God of our all. But then we must be a church who truly love one another. We strive for unity. We put each other's interests before our own. And then we are people who are radically different to the world around us. We show a radically different love. In a self-centered, self-seeking world, we are to love sacrificially. Love when it costs us. Love when we think people don't deserve it. I don't want Jubilee to be a church full of grumpy people. Do you want Jubilee to be that? The answer is, you can just smile at me right now. I don't want Jubilee to be a church full of people who love an argument. I want to be known as a people who deeply love their city and the people in it. Secondly, we show Jubilee by the way we act. Jesus tells the church in Matthew 5, 13 to 16, you are the salt of the earth. in heaven we should be known for our practical actions the church should be known for the way that it serves those around us the way we address practical need each church in its own setting needs to work out how they can best serve those around them but we must put our faith into action you know i love that when people come into this building during the week they they are welcomed in each morning, they can, during the week, they can come in, they can receive a shower, they can get their clothes washed, they can chat to our team. You know, thank you for those who, who volunteer to help that work, to the likes of, of Sarah and, and Jill and, and Steve and Jane and Chris and Anne and, and John and Mark. Yeah, you can clap them, that's fine. <laughs> you know, because as, as you spend time with them, As you spend time getting to know them, you are restoring dignity. You know, you are demonstrating the value they have in the eyes of God. You know, I love the way that our our life college serves the neediest. I love the way that we welcome people into the building and serve them. I love the way that our our outreach guys go out into the street each week, each month even, and demonstrate love to people as they listen to their stories, as they listen to their hearts and they pray for them. How do your actions demonstrate jubilee to the people you meet? With a stranger on the street, with a staff member who's serving you in the coffee shop, with your work colleagues, with that customer. The way we act shows people the kingdom and gives them chance to see Jesus. It's an incredible privilege, but it's an incredible responsibility. And thirdly, we show jubilee by the words that we say. In James 5, 1-5, to we see James confront the wealthy landowners. They built up wealth and they had neglected their workers, even abused their workers. And he says this, Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and your moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You hoarded wealth in the last years. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers, you mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. Motivational message. (laughs) There's this part of Jubilee which calls us to be God's voice. It calls us to speak out against injustice. You know, I am so thankful for Christian organizations who speak out against injustice and fight for human rights. You know, those who look to see slavery ended, those who speak up in Parliament against laws which harm the poorest in our country. This is the role of the church. We should get behind them with our support, with our prayers, but it shouldn't negate our own responsibilities. Where we see injustice, we must speak. We are a city which raised William Wilberforce. His actions changed millions of lives as he worked for the abolition of slavery. What will we be known for as a church in this generation? You know, for some of us, God might be calling us to stand against injustice directly. Where is she? Flora, wherever Flora is. Flora, stand up a second, Flora. <laughs> uh, they're, just, they're just clapping you just because of who you are. But when I tell you that Flora stands up for the justice of refugees and asylum seekers and for their rights, you should give her a bigger round of applause than what you've just given her. <laughs> maybe, Maybe, and there's other people who... in in this building who do that, who stand up for justice and thank you so much. Maybe God is calling you to politics, serving locally or nationally. Maybe your involvement might look like praying for those involved in areas of justice or giving your finance to help these organisations. But what about our voice being heard by the way that we live? Our actions have consequences. The whole area... um, this whole area of the way we live is massive, and I'm only going to touch the surface, and hopefully, just I'll let you go and do the hard work because we want to apply grace to these areas as we work it out. But do we consider how our actions have consequences on others? Do you consider where your clothes come from when you buy them, and how much people get paid to make them? Do we consider how the way we vote affects the most vulnerable in our society? Do we look at our lives and see where our greed is causing others to go without? I don't have all the answers, but I do feel it is something that we need to consider. I haven't got it right yet, but I want us to grapple with those questions because our actions always have consequences. It's no good us talking about being a big community restoring if our actions go against that. And actually cause misery to other people. Let's make sure we have a positive impact in that area. Jesus came to bring life in its fullness. Do we declare this fullness through the way that we live? Through the way that we act? And through the words that we say? I want us to turn back to Isaiah 61 and verse 4. It should be on the screen. They will rebuild The ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. You know, I love the progression of these verses. If we think about verse 1 to verse 4. Firstly, it starts with us proclaiming the gospel to the poor. The poor then receive this crown of beauty as they choose to follow Jesus. They become these oaks of righteousness as they learn to be a follower of Jesus. And then it tells us here that they will rebuild the ancient ruins and they will restore the places long devastated. It starts with no hope and it ends with restoration. And that is the gospel. I have seen God take me from a place of no hope to receiving hope, being transformed by his spirit and then being used for his service. If you don't know Jesus today, if you feel hopeless, then you need to know that because of what Jesus has done on the cross, coming to earth, he lived as a man and he died in your place on the cross, there is hope. You have been disobedient to God We have all been disobedient to God and we were all at one point separate from him. We're in a place of hopelessness. But because of what Jesus has done, he dies, he takes our punishment to allow our relationship to be restored to God again. If we choose to ask for his forgiveness, become a follower of him, we have a hope. And that same hope is described beautifully in Psalm 113 from verses 4. It says this. The Lord is exalted over all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits in front on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. What incredible verses. God in all his power comes to earth He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts them out, but he doesn't just stop there. He seats them with princes. He gives them a place of great honor. There are no second-class Christian citizens here. Princes. Nothing counts you out of being used for for God's service. Being community restorers is a calling for each of us. This isn't sort of a pick-and-mix thing as we've gone through our visions. It's not like, oh, well, I'll do the spirit receiving and I'll... I'll be a potential releaser, but I'll leave, people, I'll leave community restoring to someone else. Or the spirit receiving, I'm not sure about that one, so I'll leave that for someone else. No, this is a calling for us all. We can sometimes feel like serving God is for the elite. That for some of us, we can just attend and we'll let the professionals serve. Nothing could be further from the truth. Isaiah 61, it tells us that the poor will be the ones who go and rebuild the ancient ruins. It tells us that the poor will go to the places devastated for generations. In my Bible, the commentary at the bottom, it it says this at the verse. The poor become, through the Messiah, creative restorers of the sad situations that man has had to live with for so long. The poor become through the Messiah creative restorers of the sad situations that man has had to live with for so long. I don't know if you can see this and I'm really sorry to the sound team for this interruption in front of the mic. You might not be able to see it down there so I'll bring it up here. Community Restoring. We are a church that are passionate about relieving suffering and fighting injustice. Through giving our time and resources, we work to meet people's needs, regenerate our communities, and plant other churches. As a church, we are called to restore hope, to restore the places long devastated, whether that is places of hopelessness in our city In our region, in our country, or across the world, we have a calling. So what would it look like for us to be community restoring? Hopefully you can see this. Firstly, we are committed to planting churches to reach people with the gospel. As a church, we have uh, planted once, which means establish a church elsewhere. River City Church in East Hull, with, with John and Abby and the guys there. And as Steve shared last week, next up is North Hull. We're not sure exactly what it's going to look like, but Josh and Jen will be gathering a a team over the next few months, and they'll be exploring what would church look like here. How can we serve our community? How can we see the good news of the gospel restore lives and see gospel restoration in that whole community? Imagine revival breaking out in the north of our city. Wow. Whole families, streets, neighborhoods coming to know Jesus. We don't have fixed timescales. We were sat in a meeting discussing timescales the other day because I like, I like to have a plan in my head. Um, we don't have necessarily these really fixed timescales, but what it will look like is very soon, in the coming months, we'll have a community of believers with our DNA in relationship with us, in relationship with regions beyond, meeting up there, meeting the needs of their community, looking to see community restoration happen in North Hull. Maybe God is calling you to be a community restorer there. And after North Hull, we will go again. Another area of Hull, maybe. A town or a city nearby. If you were here last week, you'll know that Steve just dropped in Hesel Road. It's the sort of thing he does. He just drops things in and then makes me sweat. (laughs) But who knows? Maybe Hesel Road. Maybe another area of Hull. A town or a city. Maybe another nation. Maybe Latvia, Phil. (laughs) Seeing communities restored by the gospel. Secondly, through partnerships. We work with partner charities and organisations to provide support to the most needy, both locally and in the nations. I love that Jubilee is part of God's plan. Who loves that? Who also loves that Jubilee is not the only plan that God's got? (laughs) Two hands. I am really glad that we are just a small part of what God is doing. I am glad that Regions Beyond is just a small part of what God's doing. But God is wanting us to play our part. But we also recognise that God is using other churches, other movements, other people to bring his kingdom to earth. Now I can't name all the churches in our city, but I'm so thankful they're here. I'm excited for the churches that are going to be planted over the next 10 years through our whole 2030 church planting initiative. And we also recognize that we don't have all the answers to our city's problems. So as a church, we have to consider and and be wise about what God has called us to serve in. And that means that we also need to know what God has not called us to serve in. I love that, um, I don't know if you know him, but Pastor Mo Timbo um, from Potter's House Church, or they might be called 180 now maybe. If you don't know Pastor Mo, just Google him, he's... He's got an amazing story. He spoke here on a New Year's Eve a couple of years ago, and at the moment he is at the forefront of dealing with knife crime among young people, both locally and nationally. This group from Hull were in Bedford yesterday, doing sessions with young people, gang members, about knife crime. I love that that is their, that's an area they feel God has called them to, and we want to cheer them on. I don't want to get involved because that's their expertise. We have other areas, other other churches in our city who are serving specific needs or specific communities and we want to cheer them on. We also have many uh, Christian organisations who bring, who partner with, uh, who sort of we see across our city uh, using their expertise to impact communities. You know, we have eternal benefits on the quadrant. We have uh, the whole lighthouse project on Newland Ave, working with vulnerable women. We've got... Crosslines, I don't think they're here today, but Dave and Pam Drinnen I don't think they are. Our own Dave and Pam Drinnen who run Crosslines, a, set, a, a telephone advice and listening service. Part of being a community restorer is working out who we can partner with, what organisations we can work with so we can see the kingdom advance. And at the moment we work with Inside Out who help uh, us deliver our recovery course and help provide housing with us for those uh, in addictions. We are working with TLG as we look to launch the education centre as we use their expertise and their passion to partner with the local church. Who knows what partnerships we may have in the future, but as a church, I want us to be really humble in recognising that we are only a part of what God is doing in restoring communities. But nonetheless, we have an important part to play. Thirdly, uh, social action. Sorry, I'm moving around a little bit. Bottom right, social action. It says, we desire to equip people to have a positive impact on their community for our social action initiatives. We as a church are having an incredible impact in our community through the work we do for our social action. Especially through the Jubilee Life College and through our social enterprise full. We are seeing lives changed. On Thursday, we had, up in our Queen's Hall, which is the rear of our building, we had uh, an end-of-term celebration with all the people who'd come through our courses this year. I just wandered through. It's just incredible to hear and see those people who've come in, who have had you know, mental health issues, who've got learning difficulties, who have experienced social exclusion or long-term unemployment, who have been given skills, their dignity's been restored, they've been given a, a hope for the future. We've been raising people's aspirations We are having, as a church, a positive impact on our community. I don't know what's going to be next. But I would love to be stood here in three years' time and be able to talk about the other social action projects that have come out of this church that we've been involved with as we have equipped the church members to use their skills and their resources to restore communities. I don't often give this invitation but you can come and bother me whenever you want if you've got an idea about how you can impact your local community and how the church can support you in that. Anytime you want. Because we are a city centre based church, and although we can reach people across the city, you know the needs of your community. As a church, this building is a great resource. But our limitations are not the walls of this building. Imagine growth groups coming up with innovative ways to serve their community. Imagine some of you starting businesses which will employ local people. Imagine uh, some of you just sort of going into church plants and saying, we want to plant into this area and this is is the way we're going to reach the community. Imagine members of this church serving on local community groups or becoming counsellors for their local area. Imagine if one of us raised up in this generation who to fight injustice just like William Wilberforce did and finally with Sundays we aim to demonstrate a gospel-centered community as we gather on Sundays do you know by being here today you are playing your part in community restoring give yourself a little pat on the back you are playing your part some of you have wow you never listen to me (laughs) You are playing your part in being a community restorer. As we gather from all our different backgrounds, from all our different nations, we demonstrate the kingdom. We demonstrate that the gospel unites. Ephesians 2 says this, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so make him peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. We who were far away have been brought near because of the cross. We are one new man in Christ. You you won't find this mix of people anywhere else in the city. You won't find it in the theatre tonight. You won't find it at the rugby next weekend. You won't find it in the pub or at a community center. But in the church, we have been united. The asylum seeker is welcomed next to the person who has lived in Hull all their lives. The owner of the business is welcomed alongside the person who is unemployed. The the southerner sits next to the northerner. I are you're laughing. And, and this is not just tolerance. This is not just tolerance. This is actual family. Joyfully partnering in reaching the city with the gospel. And as we do that, we break down walls. As we do that, we show people in the face of racism, in the face of division, in the face of Brexit. We show the restoration of God's plans and his purposes. We give people hope and we show them Jesus. Are we up for that? If you're in a growth group this week, I want, there's some questions you can just flick up that I want you to consider. should be the last slide, Joel, if you want to pop them up. There's some questions that I want you to consider about what it would mean for us to be community restorers. If you're not in a growth group, why not? Get involved in one. Uh, Sue, could you just stand up for a second? Sue uh, does a great job. Give her a round of applause in coordinating our... Our growth groups, I'm sure lots of the growth groups are going to be breaking over the summer, but you've definitely got a session this week, so come and speak to Sue and have a taster. Come to one, come to one this week, and then then you can decide if you want to go back in September. But go and see Sue if you're not part of the growth group. We're going to consider these questions, but I want us to, as we're going to go back into a time of worship, I want us to consider what God is calling us to do. As a church, we have a great calling, but I want us to consider... Whether we are showing jubilee by our actions. The way we love people, are we showing jubilee? Or have we built up a hardness of heart that we need to ask for forgiveness from God for? Do we show jubilee by the way that we love? Do we show jubilee by our actions? Do we get involved in how the church is looking to serve the community? Are we looking for ways... That we can serve. New ways. Are we looking to show Jubilee. By the way that we live. If people met us. They might not be able to articulate it. But do they see the liberty and freedom. That Jubilee. Of the Jubilee that I described earlier on. We have a calling. If you are not passionate. About relieving. Suffering. And fighting injustice. It's not something that. I can persuade you to do. I can persuade you it's a good idea, but by lunchtime you'll have forgotten about it. You know what? I, when I came into the church, I struggled. I struggled to start with because I was around people who weren't like me. I, when I left Hull, I never planned to ever come back. At 18, I left and I never came back. And then God brought me back and I. And I I kicked, and then I came to a church, and I was like, "I don't like being around these people." (laughs) I want to be honest with you. (laughs) I loved Jubilee, but then what God started to do by His Spirit was He started to to change my heart, (laughs) to deeply love these people, to deeply understand family, and also to love my city. I remember walking around the city, suddenly finding places that I'd I'd seen for years, and suddenly being like, "Isn't it beautiful?" Suddenly, God changed my heart towards the city of Hull. It was a work of the Spirit. He brought me into this family, and suddenly, there's fa- we're family together. Only the Spirit can do something like this. So, as we worship, maybe you would say, actually, relieving suffering, fighting injustice. Maybe you're not against, maybe you say, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm for what the church does, but actually, as long as it doesn't have to involve me, maybe God is calling you to get involved. Maybe you'd say, well, it's something that I can give or take. Maybe what God is wanting to do today is put passion, to put passion in your hearts. I wonder if you would stand with me. We've been looking at these values and, and hopefully they've been really helpful. Hopefully they've been a really helpful way of looking at how we are going to be a church into this next season and what, this, what it will look like. But I would just appeal to you that these are easily forgotten. It's very easy. You know, We're not even meeting next Sunday. So by two weeks' time, uh, back into the normal. You remember what I spoke about if you were here uh, a few weeks ago. This is a new era. That's, there's, there's not an option. We can't carry on the way that we've been going. We can't, we've been doing some great things, but God is calling us into new things. No longer is it going to be as you were before. This is a new season, and I would just appeal as we worship God, just to even just open yourself up to God to say, where my heart needs to change, where you want to speak, where you're calling me to action, would you do it? So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have called us to be Jubilee, to declare freedom, to declare liberty, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. And Lord, we just pray that by your spirit you would speak to us You would stare us afresh for your plans and purposes, for this church, for our own lives. If we're visiting from other churches, that you would stare in as something to take back. Lord, I pray that you would come and move now. Lord, where our hearts have been hardened, may you soften them. Where we have lost our first love, may you just remind us of who you are in your grace. Where we have lost our passion, where you stare it afresh in us, that we would be people who are passionate about making Jesus known in this city and to the nations, no matter what the cost, no matter what the calling, Lord, that we would give our all to following you. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, as, as the band start, if, you if you've got kids upstairs at Explorers, <laughs> then please do go and collect them and bring them back in.